Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Gisela Guiar, and I was raised Catholic. You can listen to my personal testimony in the first three episodes. The purpose of this podcast is to share the truth about the salvation of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel, or good news, that the New Testament brings us. You may be walking around with a false sense of salvation. I pray that as you hear this message today, that you don't just take my word for it, but start reading the Bible and seeking the truth for yourself. Ask God to open your eyes, your mind, and your heart to hear and understand the truth. God bless you, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. The links are in the show notes. There, too, you'll find links to my two favorite Bible study apps, YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. These will make it easy for you to get into the habit of reading the Bible daily, and they're both free. As Paul states in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. The episode will begin after this short message. I love the book of Revelation. It's the last book of the Bible, and it's awesome. I must have done over 20 Bible studies on Revelation. The first time you read through it, you may think it's something between a fantasy, sci-fi thriller, a fire and brimstone preacher with a little bit of Ghostbusters mixed in. It's easy to, it isn't easy to understand. However, the best Bible study on Revelation is one I discovered in the Bible app, that's version. And it's by Pastor Chris Langham of ThroughTheWord.org. That was also my introduction to the Through the Word app. Both apps are free, by the way. Pastor Chris explains it so well that it was an epiphany for me. The book of Revelations opens with, this is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant, John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So the apostle John, um, which is the one whom Jesus loved, was the last of the apostles living around 96 AD. All the other apostles were martyred for spreading the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ. John wrote um, this from his exile on the Isle of Patmos in Greece. As in all heavenly apparitions, Jesus comforts, comforts a shocked John. Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last, or the Alpha and the Omega, depending on which Bible version you're reading. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death and the grave. That's in Revelation chapter 1, 17 through 18. After this, Jesus dictates seven letters to seven churches in Asia. Those churches are Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, 
Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, not Pennsylvania, and Laodicea. You can go on Google Earth and look for these cities. Some still exist. Some are just ruins. They, there are varying opinions on which churches these really represent. Some say they represent not just existing churches of that time, but future churches and church ages and the varying issues they had and are presently having. Today, I want to look at the letter to the church of Pergamum. Pergamum, according to Pastor Chris Langham in Through the Word, is the compromised church. The word Pergamum means objectionable marriage. That is a marriage between church and state, where the church takes on the appearance of government. Hmm. Sounds very familiar. In Revelation chapter 2, 12 through 17, we read, Write this letter to the angel of the church in Pergamum. This is the message from the one with the sharp two-edged sword. And by the way, that's the word of God, which pierces and separates. I know that you live in a city where Satan has his throne, yet you have remained loyal to me. You refuse to deny me even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred among you there in Satan's city. But I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam, who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. Repent of your sin, or I will come to you suddenly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth, which that again is the word of God. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. By the way, you can search for uh, Balaam, which is B-A-L-A-A-M, in the Bible app, and it'll take you to the original story in the Old Testament so you can um, read and uh, find out what this really bad guy did to um, Israel. Well, the first sin that's mentioned is idolatry. God explains very clearly how he feels about worshiping idols in Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 through 6, which is the second commandment. And it reads, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, I'm a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for those thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. God couldn't be any clearer. I remember when I toured Italy some time ago, I loved going to the cathedrals. In one church, there was a statue of a saint. I forgot which one. And the statue's foot was rubbed down so it looked deformed. As people entered the church, they would rub the statue's foot for a blessing or good luck, so much so that the stone was worn down. 
I'll talk more about idolatry in future podcasts. Subscribe so you don't miss it. The warning in this letter is to stop worshiping idols. The Catholic Church passes on the worship of Mary and the saints from generation to generation, and it's just plain wrong. It's clearly against God's second commandment. Okay, let's go on to the next bit whopper of sins, sexual immorality. I won't get into details, but we all know that that many church leaders, both Catholic priests and Protestant pastors, have been caught in immoral acts. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 14 through 19, we read, They commit adultery with their eyes, and their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable people into sin, and they are well-trained in greed. They live under God's curse. They have wandered off the right road and followed the footsteps of Balaam. Ah, there he is again, son of Baor, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey rebuked him with the human voice. These people are useless as dried up springs or as mist blown away by the wind. They are doomed to blackest darkness. They brag about themselves with empty foolish boasting. With an appeal to twisted sexual desires, they lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception. They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption, for you are a slave to whatever controls you. It continues, and I encourage you to read it for yourself. There are all kinds of sin in the church. We all need to take a step back and look at who our spiritual teachers and leaders are and ask ourselves if they are truly teaching the truth of the word of God, or are they watering it down and twisting it to fit their agendas? I'll leave you with this message from Paul to the Galatians. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Do you belong to Christ Jesus? Or do you just go to church because your parents went to church? Each Sunday, do you participate in rituals or do you truly worship our Savior, Jesus Christ? It's time to stop and seriously think about it.
Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope it's got you thinking. Please feel free to follow me. And if you have any questions, contact me via my website, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. The links to my social profiles are in the show notes. I want to leave you with this prayer from Psalm 40, verse 16. Heavenly Father, may all who search for you be filled with joy and gladness in you. May those who love your salvation repeatedly shout, The Lord is great! Soli Deo Gloria. Only to God be the glory.